Progressive presents Forced Metaphors, about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Let's get going. Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Birmingham, hello, good morning. Man, I'm going off no sleep, so I got a lot of energy this yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah. It's the way to do it. Yeah, you're on top of it. Who needs coffee? Yeah, let's just let's just roll it out and see what happens. Good heavens. Thanks, hey, everybody, for who, listening to Truett News Radio this morning. Who are you? Tony Truett with Truett Insurance and Bonding. Thanks yeah. for listening. Nice. I'm Brock Murphy with Brock G. Murphy Law Firm. Love to help you out. Man, we got tons of stuff going on, so let's jump into it. We sure it. do. Hey, by the way, we've got to debrief. The World Games were here in Birmingham. Did you know that? Yeah, I was, uh, I've had time to talk to somebody. Now, I was out of town all week. I was down yeah. at the beach, but, uh, you know, before I left, I kind of kept tabs on it and sort of looked on Facebook and all this week. And I, we talked about it some last week. I was really happy with oh, the parts yeah. that I saw of it. Me I too. thought it was great. I don't think there's any way to keep everybody happy with things going on, but, uh, I thought overall the city was great. I think yes. people, even from out of town, I know somebody from Montgomery that drove yeah. up here to, to see part of it and be a part of it. So, I think the word got out, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, whatever, the recap from the higher ups, uh, yeah. the, what was it? The international world games guy. Yeah. He praised it. Yeah. He said everything was good. I heard there were, uh, 300,000 plus people attended. I, I see that as a success. I don't oh, know yeah. really what they expected or, you know, well that, you know, one neat kind of sub story was, uh, Birmingham's embrace of team Ukraine, you know, what they're going through back home. And one dollar of ticket sales after a particular point uh, went to Ukraine, and I know that they ended up writing a check for about fifty-seven thousand dollars to Ukraine. So that gives you an indication that as of that point, fifty-seven thousand separate tickets were sold, at least on Ticketmaster. So, so you know, I, I think a lot of people attended when I went to different events, and I went to several. Uh, everything that I went to was well attended. I know Robin went out to Oak Mountain. She indicated that that was a really neat venue for the water skiing stuff. And oh, she got to see that? <clears throat> she did, yeah. She said it was pretty fantastic the way they had that set up. And, you know, orienteering ended up being out there. I ended up going to the uh, Legacy Arena, which I just, I've got to, again, give kudos to what we've done to what used to be called the BJCC and now is the Legacy Arena. We went to a squadron game. Yeah. And again, fantastic for uh, gymnastics. Which, which, by the way, uh, our uh, True News alum, Robbie Lynch, reached yes. out this week and oh, uh, said we need to come to New Orleans. Yeah, and, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Watch the Pelicans. So we yeah. need to take him up on that. But yeah, they had tumbling and something called mixed pairs, which was a little unusual. You had a kind of a big stocky guy and then with all due respect, sort of a, a person who you wondered had, maybe had a little a growth disability or or something but but the two of them together would do some pretty interesting things and then they had three women uh as a, as a mixed group and there'd be two sturdy ones and kind of again a, a smaller one and i mean they did these crazy balance things you know they uh it, it was really interesting to see tumbling uh, made you dizzy as you'd watch them basically tumble and backflip and, and twist and whatever all the way down a run so you know i saw that saw corf ball didn't know what that was you know watched uh Beach handball, what, you know, I know breaking was a big uh, impact. Everybody out at uh, Sloss Furnace indicated that that was a lot of fun to go see wall climbing, and we saw parkour. So, you know, I, the, the things we went to, I think, were very well done. We had a hard time one day trying to get to 
uh, certain events when they were going on. But but I think we did a fantastic job putting venues together, and those venues seem to have a lot of folks who were interested in sports that don't typically take the day. And I think, you know, the, the jury's going to be out, you know, four years from now. Are we going to see some local youth who all of a sudden are, are uh, They're doing these things? Yeah, talented yeah. at parkour, at wall climbing, at whatever, because I, I've got to think that this lit a passion for some people. I was going to say, everything has to have a spark. And I mean, most of these sports, you know, I don't think the majority of people around here had ever heard of before. And I thought it was great. So, yeah. and, and I, and I will say again, nothing's perfect, but I think that, you know, the team, Nick Sellers, Jay Caston, Steve Mistro, uh, Jay Roberson, on and on and on, yes. uh, just job well done. Fan, fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, we applaud everybody and, uh, thanks for putting in the time and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I do think, uh, admit, and the games were shown, uh, in these countries all over oh, the world. Sure. So, I mean, Birmingham got a ton of exposure we yeah. would not have been getting. And I don't know if it was shown in other markets around the U S or not. I yeah. don't know how that worked, but I mean, just to kind of get a, a, a positive image out of our city yeah, and all that, sure. I think it was a, a huge success. Well, I, I think you mentioned, I, I mentioned, I, my, my folks mentioned, you know, they saw different clips of, uh, of events and they were, you know, real careful to see some neat scenes out of railroad park and, and places around, you know, Vulcan, yeah. uh, you know, from the, from uh, top of red mountain. So, you know, I, I think we were able to feature a lot of things and that on the heels of the USFL was something we were promoting before it happened. And I think it, it, it occurred. Uh, and, and I think Birmingham comes out of this shining pretty brightly. So I, ho- I hope we can continue that momentum. Uh, Brock, let me tell you, I was at the beach this week. Yes, you and, were. Um, yes, you we were. go down to Gulf Shores. Kind of, uh, it's all sort of public beach down there where we go. And let me tell you, man, if you want to feel good about yourself, you may not be in the best shape or whatever it is. If you yeah. want to feel good about yourself, go on out to the beach, man, because <laughs> that is the most body positive place I've ever been to. People could care less about yeah. whatever flaws they may or may not yeah. have man it's all on display. display and it was it may have been as packed as i've ever seen it down there on the beach now uh, some of the other stuff wasn't but it was covered up yeah. uh on the beach and uh man i stopped by uh and talked to the mayor robert Kraft, who we've oh, had on yeah, here yeah, i went by sure. and introduced myself yeah and, that's great yeah uh, he was gracious enough to take some time to uh to talk with me and they yeah. got a big they had a big fishing tournament kicking off down there oh, really good. out of the wharf going out but uh you know, uh, one of the, I guess it's the rodeos or whatever you call yeah, it, but, right. uh, big fish they're going after in, in big fish. expensive boats mostly. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, so, uh, places just packed. It's great to see that back. Uh, I know, you know, COVID had a huge impact down there. Uh, yeah, but, sure. uh, they, we were talking a little bit, they're going to be building a new school and, uh, a lot's going on in that area. And that's, you know, basically all driven, driven by people going to the beach. Yes, so, uh, sure. it's, it's good to see it come back, but it's also sort of, I think one of the last hurrahs of summer uh, since oh, school yeah. starts so early this year or yeah. every year now. But uh, I think all the families or everybody was down there trying to, to get one last trip in. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah it was funny. They, uh, I went by and, uh, you know, Matt uh, Denton that works with us, his wife is a uh, an author and really talented. And uh, I went to the oh, original okay, Oyster okay. House and gotcha. they had all of her books laid out. <laughs> And so I was, I yeah. was like, "Hey, look at this!" I take a picture and I shoot yeah, it to yeah, Matt, yeah. like, and he's like, "Don't look at them. Buy, buy one." <laughs> you know, he's like, "Don't send it to me." Yeah, so right, like, right. Oh, got a point. Yeah. We we need, we need to buy a coffee today. Yeah, and then uh, one yeah, night, this is great. Yeah, one night we went out. The Truett family went out to uh, the Margarita Loca yes, restaurant, did. and uh, it's over there by the Target and all that stuff. And uh, I'd never been there, knew about it, but we said, <laughs> "Yeah, let's just try it." And 
uh, I came in, I dropped them off and went and parked and I come walking in and I thought there was just some drunk and they're talking real loud. But yeah. There weren't, uh, there were not a, a lot of people in there and it turns out, uh, this guy's up karaoke by Klaus. him. Klaus was his <laughs> name and, uh, Klaus was cool, man. He's, he had on the little, uh, what is that? Like a straw fedora. Oh, yeah. Right. And, right. uh, I'm going to guess Klaus is in his seventies. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah. uh, I, I came in and heard him. Uh, I thought I was like, Oh my God, we got to put up with this clown yeah, you know, yeah. over here talking loud. And then I come around the corner and I see, Oh God, he's, he's singing. And yeah. so we started ordering our meal and, uh, they start trying to go, would y'all like to sing? Would y'all like to sing? Well, yeah. maybe we're going to eat, you know, yeah, and right. uh, we'll do it. So, you know, throughout the meal, uh, you keep hearing, you know, I think there's one very bald man with glasses <laughs> that wants to come up here. You know, so <laughs> this was uh, John Henry's karaoke dance party is the name, but Klaus okay. and John Henry have been doing this forever. So uh, we end up after dinner getting up and doing our thing as a oh, family yeah. unit out there. Yeah, and uh uh, we did Sweet Talking Woman, ELO, nice. and, and Vince goes high with it. Ooh, he he right? went high. And, and like the face you just did, I was sitting there when he did it, like John Henry. The look of surprise. He was like, look at that. He goes falsetto. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. So uh, and, and and they said they're taking it on the road. They're going on a cruise. Yeah, Some cruise has hired them on. So Klaus and John Henry uh, heading out. But we're, uh, we're in the wrong business. And, you know, I, I – it turns out, Tony, that in 1990, I worked for a mobile DJ company, right, yeah. in Colorado. And in 1990, there was a bar in Nobody Colorado Springs that, that hired us to, to DJ this new system that they had brought in. We go down there. I end up living closest, so I get, I get dispatched most often. <laughs> it, was the, it was the first karaoke system in the state of Colorado. I, I, the only thing, the only reason I even knew, I don't even, I think this was around 1990 there was a movie black rain do you yeah. remember that with michael douglas and andy <laughs> yeah. garcia yeah, yeah, yeah. they were in japan and like all these people are up singing and it's like man what yeah. is that, what is that? So yeah, this is yeah. you around the yeah. same time well the thing about 1990 hosting or djing a, a karaoke machine was it isn't as though people came in and said oh awesome karaoke let's sing they had no idea what it was so to dj it you had to sing it yeah i probably sang 10 to 12 times a night and back then the songs were terrible so i'm singing hey good looking and yeah blue suede shoes and la bamba to complete strangers. well they are classics <laughs> but i mean you know there's probably some other songs i would have preferred to sing back yeah. then and i'm singing them to complete strangers you know in this bar random bar in colorado springs so that's really what what made me decide to lose any fear of the microphone well i can tell you that um the Truett family was not very talented. We didn't bring a lot of talent to the karaoke, <laughs> but uh, we brought enthusiasm, so uh, yeah. that's what it was. I would imagine that's probably what I was like in 1992. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? Oh, man. It was, I, and, and, I mean, adoring crowds of two or three people, yeah, right? Yeah, well, and this place was good enough. It had the uh, uh, the high-end uh like poster of Snoop and a Corona in the background yeah, that the, right, the right, Snoop right. ad yeah, <laughs> taped sure. to the wall. So that yeah. was great. But in uh, fact, your picture of Klaus has that in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And, and honestly, man, if you're down there, go by that. I think they do it on Wednesday nights yeah. uh, at Margarita Loca. So yeah. go by. It was fun. I'm going to throw a word out there. Juxtaposition, because that's what in, in this picture of Klaus in the foreground, you have Snoop and his Corona yeah. hanging in the background. That's a juxtaposition. Uh, oh, yeah. Almost uh, like a mirror, you know, yeah, kind of, right, right. I didn't even notice yeah. Yeah, sure. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Ben, if anybody wants to, you can catch the back shows uh, here at truantnewsradio.buzzsprout.com. Uh, it's got most of the stuff posted. And um, uh, you can also uh, link up with me on my um, – uh-oh. Yeah. There we go. I got off track there for a second. But uh, 
uh, what was this? Oh yeah, the uh, LinkedIn. We got a Facebook page, Truett News Radio Facebook page. Like us over there and check it out. Yeah, hey, I'm hearing there might be some technical difficulties. Sounds like some people out there are just hearing a bunch of commercials, but no show. We'll be working on that. Uh, hopefully, there's the show going out and not commercials, but we'll we'll check on that here in a second. Uh, in the meantime. We've got. He said uh, it's all good. In the meantime, we do. Oh, and by the way, that's John Bird in there. We that haven't is mentioned John him. Bird. Yes, he's checking on. He says all's good. Yeah, all seems to be good right now. That's fantastic. Hey, uh, today Joe Kinsey uh, from Out uh, Outkick. He's in town today. Uh, down at back forty today at three. I may slide by there. Oh, nice. And uh, he's going to be giving uh, his talk about how he got his article screen caps going, which is okay. uh, really uh, entertaining. People send yeah. stuff to him from all over and. I think he's really zeroed in that uh, the the young crowd has all been taken by different things. So yeah. he went for the, like the middle age and older crowd <laughs> on how to how to mow your grass and good dive bars and you know all of that. So uh, he, I think he's amazed that somebody actually asked him to town to talk. And yeah. uh, you know he's an Ohio guy, doesn't yeah. have any allegiance to any football team down yeah, here. Yeah, but right. uh, that ought to be pretty funny. All right, well that, I might just join you. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, uh, big news for the state of Alabama. Right. And particularly the Huntsville region, uh, Redstone Arsenal is obviously a big resource and they get a lot of NASA funding and and, uh, you know, thus a lot of engineers and, and, and good economy up in Huntsville as it continues to grow. U.S. Space Command is in its temporary home right now in Colorado Springs at Peterson Air Force Base. But uh, on July 13th, just a short time ago, the Pentagon released a draft environmental assessment finding that no significant impacts on the human or natural environment would occur if the headquarters was built at the Redstone Arsenal. So the Secretary of Defense has announced that Redstone Arsenal, Huntsville, Alabama, is the preferred location for the U.S. Space Command HQ. And they cited some really neat things. They said, look, Huntsville compared favorably across more of these factors than any other community, providing a large qualified workforce, quality schools, superior infrastructure capacity, low initial and recurring costs. And additionally, uh, Huntsville, with the Redstone Arsenal coordination, offered a facility to support the HQ at no cost while the permanent facility is being constructed. So, you know what? That's a big boost for the state of Alabama. We will be uh, HQ Space Command. I think that's great. How about this? We've talked about this uh, MSG uh, sphere out in Las Vegas. Yes, you know, that yeah. giant oh, yeah, globe sure. they're doing. Right. Well, it's uh, cranking along. Uh, they're still planning on it uh, to be open in the second half of 2023, but they're beginning to line things up. They just oh. signed a contract with the Formula One race that's going out there so that's going to be like a centerpiece of that and that will be incredibly cool but uh they also they haven't i guess officially announced but it looks like all signs are that you too will be the first uh concerts going they're going to have like a residency over several days or weeks uh, out there so that's going to be that whole facility i think is going to be incredibly absolutely right uh, I can't wait to see that, and we've kind of been watching that since it, uh, the, the entire, if you're not familiar with the, the entire exterior basically is a giant LED Screen. ad, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, just amazing looking. I think Times Square, Time Square wrapped over a yeah. giant sphere in Las Vegas. Amazing, yeah. so that's going to be super cool. Uh, uh, I saw a uh, article down in Mobile Bay Magazine about, uh, they had it about life before air conditioning. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that you, you used to have like sleeping porches or um, <laughs> right, right. there wasn't a, a lot of escape, you know, like you could drink uh, some cold water, yeah. you know, it's basically uh, your your options. And I remember uh, long ago, like 30 years or more ago, uh, you know, my folks both grew up out in the country and didn't have it. And my dad always talked about how, you know, you know, you're out there in the field and 
blah, blah, blah. But I, my point I was trying to make with him, well, you were out in the field and nothing yeah. had air conditioning. Right now yeah. we're going from these air-conditioned buildings and this, and it just seems hotter. <laughs> right, right, You know, right. did you really realize how warm it was at the time? And he looked at me like he couldn't believe, you know, I was his son. And he, his answer, I'll never forget, he just looked at me like, you know, hell yes, I knew it was hot. Oh, and that was the end gosh, of it. So yeah, you're yeah. like, I think you're missing the point, Pop. You know, <laughs> and, oh, uh, but it's like, you know, yes, it was very hot and uncomfortable, and and they made you wear a suit half the time <laughs> back then. So uh, I don't know, but the the pictures of the magazine article here though looked really nice of uh, these porches laid out. But you know, that had to be just awful. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah, that's right. Well, listen, um, the Birmingham Legion, uh, they've been gone. For a long time, they they were frankly a casualty, I guess you would say, of uh, of the 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 World Games and the USFL, and so they are back finally. And uh, I I think it would be important for us; it would be great for us to go out and support the Birmingham Legion. Uh, Their first game in a long time at home is out at Perspective Stadium. Uh, it's tonight at 6.30, and their game is against the Football Club of Tulsa, the FC Tulsa. So I want to encourage everybody to go out and support the Legion for sure. Been a good oh, for sure. Great partner. Also, interesting, was looking at this date in history, uh, and it's not necessarily this date in history, but it was really close. July 14th to July 18th. In 1969, was called the Football War, the Soccer War, also known as the Hundred Hours War. It was a brief military conflict fought between El Salvador and Honduras during those four days in 1969, and there had been existing tensions between the two countries that had to do with some immigration from El Salvador into Honduras and some some legislation kind of confirming land to landed gentry, which kicked some uh, uh, Salvadorans out of uh, claimed claimed pieces of property and. you know, put them into sort of a destitute position. So they, there were some tensions boiling, and they ended up meeting one another twice in the 1970 FIFA World Cup qualifier in soccer, and uh, it was a it was a tie. Uh, Honduras won the first game one to nothing. El Salvador won the second one, I think three to one. Riots occurred after each of those wins or each of those games, and the rioting after the second one hit such a flashpoint that the two countries decided, you know what, we're going to go to war to each other, which caught both of the militaries a little bit with their pants down, and so all of a sudden, for about a hundred hours, these two countries went to war, and the spark that set it off was. Uh, the World Cup soccer matches. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It happened just about this time uh, of the calendar, but back in 1969, the Hundred Hours Soccer War. Well, I just I just came in. Are you uh, are you saying that's going to happen at the Legion game? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, I had to step I, out for a minute, but uh, I, I think that's going to happen between Birmingham and Tulsa if we're not careful. No, I, listen, everybody, go out there and support the Legion uh, with passion, but not that kind of a passion because we're not going to go and invade Oklahoma. Yeah, it's uh like I said, they I think the Legion's been a great partner, been out and uh I did see a, a message they had put out on um uh whatever social media talking about uh everybody did support the World Games. Please come out and support the uh the Legion. So uh, if you can get out there, the it's a fun time and uh check them out. They've been great sports throughout this whole thing. Brock the um uh, the Florentine building downtown was, uh, which is a beautiful building down. I think that's on Second Avenue North. Uh, they were recently named uh, best wedding venue in Alabama by Alabama Magazine. So uh, that's a pretty big honor for them because yeah, there's a sure. ton of great looking uh, wedding things across the state. That uh, from barns to you know, uh, what do you call it? Venues on top of the buildings, on top of tall buildings, and 
this is a two-story building if you hadn't been in there. Uh, back in our day, there was Club 21, I think oh, was the I name of it. Yeah, it was the upstairs. Yeah, yeah. It had that ballroom. Well, you know, the whole building was renovated and is beautiful down there. So yeah. it's one of the prettiest buildings in Birmingham. But uh, that had to, had to mean a lot to them anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Hey, listen, uh, you, you were mentioning uh, earlier that um, the San Diego – uh, the San Diego Autom- Automotive Museum opened a new exhibit yesterday and had some interesting cars. I have it real quick before we go to the line. Yeah, uh, I, I just thought it was kind of cool. They had, uh, you know, the kit from Knight Rider uh, car out there, the Ghostbusters machine, which I think that would be a good one, the original Jurassic Park tour thing. Yeah, uh, that jet Jeep. And that whole uh, Balboa Park area out there in San Diego is really cool, but yeah, I didn't realize sure. they had an automotive museum, but I bet they got a lot of good stuff <laughs> yeah. in it for sure. Well, man, let's do the hotline. Absolutely. Uh, Truett Insurance and Bonding hotline coming on. Uh, we got uh, Ivan Mazel joining us. Uh, Ivan, are you with us? Ivan. I am. How are you? Hey, good morning, Ivan. Good morning. What's going on today? Uh, just uh, happy to be here. Well, man, we're it's thrilled so that long, you're glad we made it. Yeah, we're <laughs> thrilled that uh, that you're able to join us this morning. Uh, Ivan is an Alabama boy, and I really want to kind of get into the journey of how you got from Mobile and have gone on to just uh, yeah, you're an incredibly talented writer, right? And uh, you know, how Thank did you, you kind of hook the skill up from Mobile uh, and get to where you are now? Because you've written for like the biggest names and. I guess in sports, sports really, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, everybody here is proud of you for doing it. Oh, that's really nice. Uh, you know, I had a teacher at Murphy High School who gave me confidence that I could write. And when I, uh, when I went to college, I just spent a lot of time at the college newspaper. And uh, it was three weeks after I graduated, I had a job. So I, and I just always what's always been fun for me and and uh still interesting well it's uh it, it's got to be about as interesting of a time to be writing about sports as, oh, wow, as i sure. can imagine is there anything kind of over your career uh that you would sort of find a parallel i mean you you have you know really dug in on college football over the years so uh it's there's got to be more change than i can ever remember anyway oh on so many levels well, that's a great point, and what I keep reminding myself as I as I tamp down the you know the instinct to be really upset that they're screwing up the sport. <laughs> Man, it's a. Uh... I think you know. Well, I, I just think. Well, okay. I I started covering college football in 1987, so that was 35 years ago. Right. 35 years before that. In 1952, the game looked nothing like it did in 1987. That's a great point, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just accept that things never stay the same. They keep evolving and go with it. There uh, was a day when people were upset that there was a forward pass implemented into this this sport. Well, sure, and in the middle of the – 1952 was was right in the middle of what turned out to be a 20-year – battle over whether to play one platoon football or two platoon football. Good point, yeah. You know, right after the war, they went to two platoon because there were so many guys coming out of the service. That's interesting. And then once that worked its way through the system, all the old coaches, the the Neelands and guys from the 20s and 30s, you know, asserted their power and said, no, we're going back to the way that football should be played. Right. That was their opinion, you know, that, you had to know how to block and tackle, not block or tackle. Yeah. And 
Uh, it was not until General Neyland died in 1962 and, and was therefore no longer chair of the NCAA Rules Committee that, that we went to two platoon football for good. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and, and then over the years, I guess we have had the opportunity to celebrate that one player here or there who has had the ability to, to play two platoon, right, who can go both ways. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting yeah, point. I would I mean. think it's, a, you know, they're like a – a zoo exhibit in yeah. before it was everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. That's that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, you know, if uh, if somebody was wanting, or you know, people are doing it all the time. Just the industry, your industry has changed as a writer. Uh, somebody young that's coming up, uh, maybe in high school that's that's going to college. What would you suggest? That, you know, kind of as a career path to to getting to do what you do. Run away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, you and I, we're around the same age, and uh, I'm going to tell you, yeah. you had a better run over the last 30 years or whatever than I have, so uh, I think you've done it pretty good. Well, and, you know, I, it, honestly, you know, the the news business is in such a state of flux and turmoil right now, and uh, as is college athletics, but we've been in it for, for 20 years, and... Uh, you know, the, you learn to write by writing, and I try to encourage young people to. You know, the the beauty of the internet is you don't you don't have to have a job at a newspaper in order to write. You know, the problem, of course, is is buying groceries, but you can go. There are so many things that need to be covered because newspapers don't do it anymore. Yeah, and, yeah, that's true. And frankly, know, I mean, especially with television, I mean, yeah, you know, you've college got sports. Yeah, right. And you've got, uh, you know, got the internet has changed things too, right? With respect to just pure television. Sure. By the way, we're on the air right now with Ivan Mazel, uh, with, with with frankly on three dot com, right? I mean, and there's a point yeah. you've you've had to pivot towards, uh, you know, an internet platform that allows you to do a little bit of both. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm. I mean, I went to work for ESPN 20 years ago, and and you know, and that's when the internet was just this sort of uh, novelty in terms of being a news gathering operation. And I had to decide to leap out of print and and go all in on the internet. And it, I thought about it for a long time, but I, you know, I finally did it because I knew. ESPN was strong enough that it wouldn't fold the way that so many internet operations were folding at the time as, you know, startups were trying and not quite getting it right. Uh, uh, on three, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll have our first birthday, uh, a week from Monday. Oh, wow. And, you know, we've grown so much faster than certainly I expected and, uh, sort of gotten our, established ourselves and certainly in the recruiting community and in the nil uh coverage and and i'm continuing to do what i've always done so it it's been uh i feel really fortunate yeah it's a great site uh you know i've been i've, I've oh, seen thanks. articles uh posted on social media and i've actually gone to the site several times and i would encourage everybody to go check it out it's got it's got some great stuff including ivan well yeah and i, I think at the end of the day no matter the platform quality is going to rise to the top and, and you guys certainly have quality content so you know this is a platform that can reach many people in many places yeah. uh you know in, in in many different media for lack of a better term whether it's video or written content and 
you know, that, that's that's fantastic progress in one year. And again, at a time where, you know, pick the change in college football. Is it NIL? Is it transfer portal? Is it conference realignment? I mean, you know, I- any of those would be fantastic food for any offseason. And you're right now able to just uh, hit the banquet of all of them here right now. Well, we don't have any choice. I mean, that's what college sports has become, at least in the short term. And uh, it's uh, it's just changed so, you know, and this is where the conversation started. It's just changing so fast. And, and you know, I think what we heard in Atlanta this week from everybody from Greg Sankey on down to the players was, you know, we – it's not what it used to be and it's not what it's going to be. And, and we're going through this sort of uh, wrenching transition, but everybody's just kind of got to hang with it and see where we go. Yeah. Well, you know, part of, uh, Ivan really where, where we started, you know, trying to, um, where you crossed my mind to try to get you on the, the air was, uh, I heard you speak at the end of last year at the, uh, Monday, mo- Monday morning quarterback club, uh, you know, we mentioned you being uh, a talented writer, but uh, you have you have written a book that uh, it, your speech on it. I mean, absolutely, it still sits with me really heavy today. Uh, I yeah, applaud you for having the strength uh, to write about it, and uh, and absolutely understand the reasoning kind of that as you went into it uh, of why you were writing about it. But uh, uh, your book, I keep trying to catch his eye, a memoir of lost grief and love, and is about your son Max and. Uh, Please uh, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Thank you for asking. So our son, Max, died uh, seven and a half years ago. He was 21 years old. He was a junior in college, and he was dealing with depression and mental illness and, you know, was away at college, and we didn't understand, you know, how much he was suffering, and he ended his life. Uh, and what I, the reason I wrote the book was having gone through that as a parent and having gone through uh, that sort of uh, just such uh, deep grief and seeing not only what it was like from the inside but then watching people trying to deal with me as best they could. Sure. Uh, what, you know, I just decided I wanted to write, explain to people, this is what this is like. Yeah. Uh, and this is what you, this is what I think you would help you deal with it when you are comforting a friend, a relative, or when it happens to you. And, uh, you know, the, the point being that maybe it would help people understand and, and just be a, a, a little more effective and how they handle it, because everybody is scared to death of grief, if, if that's the appropriate way to put it. And sure. and what we all know is that if you live long enough, you're going to deal with grief. So that's the cost of, uh, you know, I, I say the cost, and I'm, I, I go into the book in great detail how, how I kind of figured out that I don't like cost in, in talking about grief. That grief is love. It's just uh, the form that love takes after you lose someone that's very yeah. important to you. Well, you had uh, you had such a great uh, point in it, too, that you, when you compared it to, to, like, you know, waves in the ocean, it's, it's going to hit you, and sometimes it hits you <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Sometimes it's over your head and you're drowning in it. Sure. And, uh, it's, and, and all of this is, you know, difficult to talk about. I mean, in my 
in my family, um, not direct family, but, uh, or I guess it is an uncle, uh, and a cousin, you know, we lost, uh, kind of sort of along the same lines. And, uh, that was when I was a kid and I mean, you never forget it. And uh-huh. I can't imagine as a parent, um, you know, having to go through it, but, uh, just your way of saying that it, it is a great way you want to talk about Max and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, a, yeah. you know, great kid and all that. And, and, and I'm, I'm another one too. Like you mentioned, it's, it's, um, uh, it's difficult for people. I, I'm terrible at it when, you know, you go to a funeral or, or anything of just trying to, you know, all I know to do is say, I'm sorry. And it's kind of awkward. And I, and you had mentioned that same thing. And, uh, you, you really want to yeah. celebrate. Uh, the, the, I mean, you hate for the for the loss you've had. You still want to celebrate the person. For sure. Well, you know, look, the way I look at it is uh, talking about Max keeps him present. And I'm delighted to talk about Max. And if somebody can come tell me a story about Max that I don't know, what a, what a transition that is because you know, we don't have any more stories. We're not going to come up with any more stories ourselves. Right. All we can learn about him is what somebody comes and tells us. Uh, we're we're on the air right now with Ivan Mazel with on three dot com and I, you know Ivan it, it it strikes me that going through the uh, the exercise of writing this book I would think would have been cathartic for you therapeutic for you but I, I have to celebrate for you that for those people who are going through this. Uh, in that storm where they're sure nobody on earth can possibly understand how blank I feel right now. Uh, I would think that your book is oxygen for that individual. So I want to praise you for that as well, because I think that's a a fantastic resource for people who are going through just an an incredibly confusing uh, and emotional time. Well, thank you. And honestly, I didn't look at it as cathartic or therapeutic. I kind of had to, I feel like I had to get all that work done before I was able to write. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To me, cathartic is, uh, then I'm writing the book for me and, and, you know, uh, and, uh, and cathartic to me is here, you, you buy my book and I'm going to dump all my problems in your lap. (laughs) You know, and I didn't, (laughs) I didn't want to do that. Uh, And I tried not to do that as I wrote. Uh, it was just, uh, this is what this was like. Uh, and the more we, I just felt like the more we talk about it, the more normalized it becomes. And well, I, you know, we need to make mental illness normal. Yeah, I was about to a, a disease. I was about to say that. Uh, you know, as 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 awful as that situation has to be, uh, I do think uh, like this book. If if anybody's having some issues or any of that, this is. Uh, it, it, it is, there's a lot of people out there sharing this and I agree with you a thousand percent. I think, uh, mental illness in particular with, with younger, uh, people right now is a, is a real issue yeah. and this addresses it. Um, and you know, uh, I, th- I think we need to tackle that problem head on cause I do think it's huge. And we mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, the national suicide prevention hotline, they've actually made it a three, uh, digit nine, eight, eight, nine, eight, eight, you know, if anybody's having some issues, uh, you know, please just ask somebody and, uh, or call the number or whatever. But, uh, it's, uh, I do think it's a struggle and it's going to, to be ongoing. And, um, and again, I can't imagine uh, one going through it, and two having the the, the internal strength to to write uh, such a beautiful book about it. Yeah. Well, thanks, but that's all I know how to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. hey, I tell you what. And, and, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say real quick, you know, some, we are all conditioned to, when we hear mental health or mental illness to, to focus on the first word. And what we need to do is focus on the second word. Sure. Sure. It's not, you know, it's health, it's, it's yeah. a disease. And, it, and, uh, if we do that, I think we'll, we'll all treat it a lot differently. And I think, frankly, we have to give a nod to the fact that we're in a singular point in history where we've come out of a, a pandemic and what it's done to us socially and in isolation that I would think that the number of people who are confronting that challenge has, has got to have grown. So, you know, again, let's not be afraid yeah. of the concept. Let, let's, uh, let's move towards it. Address it, yeah. Uh, well, Ivan, we have to run. Uh, I, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but, uh, man, best to you and your family. Keep up the, the, the amazingly good work you were doing at On3. And, uh, again, everybody, whether you uh, know it or feel it or not, everybody in Alabama is, is proud of you for and sure. all the success you've had as a writer. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, get out and play some golf. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you. a lot. Yeah, we had Ivan Mazel with on3.com. Uh, what, you know, what a great cause. I'd love to have him back. And like you said, I think we could talk for for a long long time with him, but uh you know, again, yay, a, a resource out of the state of Alabama. Yeah. Uh we we have many talented people and uh but back real one last you know, hit on that again. If if you're having any issues, yeah. uh that 988 number or yeah. just again, I would think ask anybody if you're just struggling with something and and anybody would talk to you to for sure you know make you feel like whatever the problem is uh, maybe it's not as bad as you think it is yeah absolutely all right uh, Brock we're just going to stay on the hotline okay How about let's that? go back to it yeah we're going uh, this is uh, Kate Allen with Allen Architectural Metals and uh, they got offices all over the place now but uh, it started over in uh, Talladega Kate are you with us I am hey what's going on this morning Good morning Kate. Good morning. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Oh, this is great. Now, let me get this right. Now, you actually are in New York. Is that right? I am actually in Detroit now. Oh. In Detroit. So I'm, a, I'm a mover. Okay. <laughs> so so y'all live there? So I live here. Yes, I've lived here about seven years now. I'm in northwest Detroit. We also have an We work from our home. We have an office here. I lived um, in New York for about... 11 years, Washington, D.C. for about three. So we, um, we're pretty much go where the business is. We've been in business for about 27 years. My father started the business in 1995. Okay. And um, I've been with the company for about 13 years now, but I've been in the industry and construction and development and architecture for about 16 years. Oh, wow. So, well, and by the way, there's yeah. a huge resurgence going on in Detroit, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, we're actually working right now on um, Michigan Central Station, which is the uh, Ford's autonomous driving division. Oh, wow. So we just completed all the monumental window repair for the exterior, which uh, my husband conveniently reminded me most people know from Transformer movies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, and we're working on, uh, for Bedrock Real Estate up here, they're doing a lot of uh, restoration work in the city for... Um, hotel renovation and apartment buildings. There's a, a huge resurgence in Detroit. I've seen a huge change in the past seven years, so it's really exciting to be a part of it. 
Well, y'all, I, you know, we we talk a lot of small business, uh, particularly Alabama stuff, you know, yeah. going on, and I'm I'm really uh, interested in y'all do super cool work, uh, you know, with with the restoration, uh, particularly the metal stuff. I, I I saw I think it was last week or week before we were talking about y'all are doing something at Carnegie Hall in New York, and you've, yeah. wor- you've worked on the uh, the cap the U.S. Capitol before, sure. and uh, have I mean just have this amazing list of buildings you can uh, everybody can see at y'all's website and. Uh, you yeah. know, but uh, how did you? I, you mentioned going after, you know, going to where the work is. But uh, how do y'all get mm-hmm. the word out and and you know get into a new market, a uh, uh, New York or Detroit or wherever you may be going next? So pretty much, you know, at this point, our reputation has gotten us very far. Um, as I said, my father, you know, he's one of the most passionate people I've ever known, and he really built this business up. From the beginning and now it's word of mouth and previous projects Uh, we have a lot of repeat customers and when you think about iconic buildings and you know the care that goes into restoring architectural heritage for our country you know we're fortunate to say that people think of us so we have a long track record of working on really monumental, high-profile projects, and thankfully, we haven't really screwed one up. I was going to say successfully. <laughs> I think is the uh, is the the main thing there. You haven't messed one up, so that's great. And uh, are y'all looking to to go like to other areas? Because is all the um, yeah what what is actually based over in uh, Talladega versus what y'all do on the road? Do y'all make the stuff in here, or, or y'all just do projects here, or how does that work? Yeah, so basically we have project managers. Like we said, our office is in Detroit. We also have project managers, and we have field people that are basically in the field in New York full-time. We also now have an office in Pittsburgh. Um, But the shop in Alabama is really like the brain trust. That's where our pattern makers are, where all the fabrication work takes place. We have our water jet, and we do laser scanning. And we work with a lot of local... um, Alabama foundries for casting. We do ferrous castings. We do non-ferrous castings, bronze, aluminum. Um, we work in nickel silver. So it's really like a family affair. Um, we've been, as I said, been doing it for 27 years and uh, hope to do it for 27 more. But yeah, we've been it's, we've been very successful. We have a great team. A lot of people have been. I mean, I've grown up in the company. I recently just took over as president in January, but I mean, a lot of the people that work with me, they're fantastic. And we've all been with the company for like 13, 14 years. So it's really like a family. We're on the air right now with Kate Allen, the new president, newly minted president of Allen Architectural Metal. Kate, it seems to me that one of the neat things as you go into all these uh, these projects is that they seem to naturally plug you into some interesting history, right? I mean, uh, Carnegie Hall, yeah. I've heard of that place, uh, the Capitol Building. I mean, it, it, it's got to be neat to kind of dig down into the background of some well, of these and places. The, and the pressure of having, I mean, just what you said, you, you can't mess it up or yeah. uh, everybody's no. going to know. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're you're only as good as your last project in this industry. Um, and, you know, I graduated from UAB and uh, art history with architectural history focus, and I went to architecture school at Columbia. And so I really got found a passion for preservation and material conservation. And coming back to work for the company, it just made sense. Uh, you know, I'm really passionate about what I do. I teach a class at Pratt in Brooklyn in the spring on oh, conservation neat. of metals. 
I've done that for about six years. So we really practice what we preach. And I think that comes across, you know, we, we do care and we care about, we always say we work in the preservation of memory because, you know, when you experience a space three-dimensionally, it's so much more powerful than looking at it on a screen or reading about it in a book. And, you know, we just we think that's really important, especially the U.S. Capitol Dome. We worked at the Woolworth Building, you know, um, United Nations, General Assembly. We've we worked at a lot of really amazing projects. Yeah, that's that that is that's interesting. I mean, even when you uh, mentioned Brooklyn, uh, you know, I used to do I have done many, many mission trips where we're in Brooklyn and in, uh, in, in the west side of Manhattan up into the Bronx. And and, you know, my mm-hmm. thought is, as you're up there, I mean, you know, what history is in even those areas? I mean, you know, Brooklyn dates back really to, frankly, uh, the Revolutionary War. I know that one of the places that we would stay at, in fact, uh, in the west side in Manhattan was the building that General Electric first built there uh, to feature uh, models of what apartments will look like when they get this brand new invention called electric wiring. You know, so, I mean, it, it, the, the sheer Incredible. nature and volume of, of the history in that area has, has got to be fantastic. And certainly I know there's a big resurgence in Brooklyn itself right now. There's a lot of renovation going on. Yeah, absolutely. We just finished um, a project last year for the old Abraham Strauss building. I mean, you recognize that Levi Strauss. Sure. Um, they had, uh, Tishman Spire had a new contemporary building they were bringing in and uh, downtown Brooklyn, but they wanted to preserve this historic um, early 19th, 1900s cast iron facade. And so we were uh, given the task to carefully document it, tag it, remove oh, wow. it, take it to Alabama, restore it while they built this 57-story tower and then create it as a curtain wall and attach it oh, wow. back to that building. I mean, they don't have to do things like that, but they feel, you know maintaining the street and the the history of the building was significant enough to marry it to the new use. That's really so cool. That was an exciting project. Well, I like uh, your, I, I don't know if this is y'all's uh, whatever tagline or mission or whatever, but the, every building has a story. I mean, sure. we say that a lot, you know, about people and love to hear what they do, but I mean, it, you're exactly right. All these uh, buildings are beautiful and, and, you know, should deserve to be kept up oh, and, and sure. have that story told. Yeah, I totally agree. I know, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the uh, the super slim, super skinny skyscrapers, you know, in Manhattan. And I know one of them yeah. was bought on property where Steinway Hall was located. And so sort of similar to what you're discussing, uh, there was a great effort and need to preserve that Steinway Hall, even as they put this contemporary building up and around it. So, yeah, I guess there's a good bit of that. And, and, and thankfully, because those things need to be preserved. Yeah, and in New York, we you know, they have a very strong preservation commission there that really regulates historic architecture to prevent, after Penn Station was demolished, uh, I don't even know the date, but it was very early on, and they realized it was a significant loss of architectural heritage. For sure. So yeah. they, they really have a lot of control over um, restoration and development there, which is important. Yeah. Hey, Kate, we got to wrap up and run, but, uh, one, we're yeah. proud of you for taking this UAB degree out into the world and Absolutely. doing good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I wanted to mention that, uh, in, on top of Kate doing all this cool stuff, she's also got a three-year-old that she's having to oh, wow. chase around. So that's, uh, makes it even more difficult. So, yeah. uh, keep that's up right. the great work. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Oh no, I'm just, I'm proud to be from Alabama and I'm, 
really glad to be with you guys today. Yeah, well, uh, enjoy your weekend, and uh, man, we'll check back in yeah. with you at some point and hear uh, more about some of the cool stuff you're working on. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was Kate Allen, the, the newly minted president of Allen Architectural Metal, doing great work all around the country. Yeah, and in I, the, I love old buildings. And oh, I mean, I think sure. what they're doing is is, is really neat. But, uh, yeah. hey, uh, that was the Truett Insurance and Bonding Hotline. Yeah. I'm Tony Truett with Truett Insurance and Bonding. And oh. uh, while I was gone this week, I need to be gone more because more stuff happens oh, when wow. I'm gone. So uh, yeah. Chris knocked out. I think he said he wrote three new uh, clients for home and auto coverage this week while I was gone. Uh, we had, I think it is three jobs our contractor clients were low on and are going to need payment and performance bonds on oh, yeah. while I was gone. So that was good. And yeah. we ended up having to ferry one. Uh, the, the FedEx thing didn't get delivered. So oh, no. we had to figure out how to how to meet up with a client and get it to them the day of the job. They're down in oh, South boy. Alabama. And oh, you know it, that was some logistics getting that together. But yeah, we made it yeah. happen. If we promise we're going to get it to you, we're going to get gonna it get to it you. To you. Or do everything we can to get it to you. This coming week, uh, we got two jobs, a $10 million and a $5.5 million that are good. bidding. So maybe I got my good. fingers crossed. Those yeah, would be good yeah, ones if those. we can get them. And, uh, you know, other stuff, uh, we got uh, really good programs for restaurants, dentists, uh, funeral homes, gyms, all kinds of stuff. So if we can help you, and uh, basically every business has to have work comp, we got a lot of options for that. So keep us in mind. Uh, Truett Insurance and Bonding, check us out at truettinsurance.com. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Tony, you, you had mentioned down here there's a few local folks who are hiring right now, done utility products. Yeah, you know, we mentioned that last week, but they're looking for uh, for fabricators. So basically, if you are a welder or a fitter or a painter or whatever else it is, you know, yeah. talk to them. Done is just one of the best companies in, oh, for sure. in Birmingham. So uh, their facility is down in Columbiana, and they could use the help, and uh, it'd be a great company to work for. So that's done utility products. And then uh, another Truett News Radio alum, uh, Chris Frosecker. Yeah. Uh, the High Wire Brewing is getting closer and closer uh, to opening. Yeah. And it's over there in Lakeview, kind of near our office. And uh, they're looking for bartenders and other staff. So uh, if you're looking around for that, that would be a cool place to be. And by the way, we shared the post of Helen Restaurant downtown. Turns out they're hiring as well. So if you'd like to um, be part of, I think, one of the best restaurant yeah. operations in the city, uh, go take a look or, or go give them an application at Helen Restaurant downtown. Hey, Brock, I'm going to hit you with this. Lloyd's, everybody, a lot of people have heard of Lloyd's of London. So uh, they have announced they are planning to stay in their home office, which is one of the most iconic buildings in the world, uh, on one Lime Street in London. And they said they're staying there uh, so long as acceptable terms can be worked out with the landlord, which I would think that would get uh, handled. But they're in the building that, like, the entire, I guess, skeleton is sort of on the outside, all the piping and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you would recognize it if you saw it, and their underwriting stuff is in the middle uh, of the interior. And, uh, again, so many people, you know, recognize this. Lloyd's of London, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> they've been in this building since 1986. Yes. Uh, which is pretty cool. But Lloyd's actually started in London in 1652. That's incredible. And uh, apparently, after the big fire in London, uh, the coffee houses were a big deal. And I think I'm, sure. I think I'm telling all of this the right way. But yeah. uh, the coffee houses were a big deal, and that's where you conducted business since a lot of the city had been burned down. But uh, yep. there was um, uh, a Lloyd's Coffee House yep. is where it was, and all the ship merchants. Uh, the captains that had been on trips, that's just kind of where they all met up. And then the business people started coming in and, you know, offering insurance uh, yeah. for these captains and owners for, uh, sure. for their journeys in case the ships didn't make it back, you yeah. know, or the cargo. And 
uh, before long, the, the coffee shop started renting out like booths or tables in there for just for business purposes. Sure. And uh, in 1691, they actually set up shop in, an, in, in a permanent structure that just did underwriting. But think about right. that, 1600s, yeah. uh, and, this, and this company is still, I mean, it evolved from, from 1652, but this company yeah. is still there and is a leader in the insurance world. And uh, I just, uh, that's amazing to me. Well, I'll tell you what I find interesting, too, is today you would be shocked at the sheer volume of commerce that is still conducted out of coffee shops all around the country. Oh, you're I mean, one. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of them. I mean, literally, uh, you, you know, any coffee shop you go to, you're going to see people with laptops out there who are conducting commerce. And, and I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's the biggest chain or the smallest uh, locally owned coffee shop. You would be absolutely stunned to know what an artery that is for uh, American commerce. So, you know, it was happening in the 1600s in London. It happens today in, uh, in that area where those colonists are who broke off. Yeah, uh, I was looking for something I had on here, a date that I was looking for. Here it is. Uh, put it on the calendar, August the 2nd uh, at the Winfrey. The Greater Birmingham Auburn Club kickoff party for the season begins at 6, and I think uh, as an Auburn graduate and uh, fan, I think we need all the support. Uh, we're going to need it all this year as uh, hopefully we transition and have a little bit better season. But oh, uh, yeah, I think Coach yeah. Harson will be there. Yeah. And several – I think the new president's going to be there. So if you don't have any plans, that's at 6 p.m. at the Winfrey on August the 2nd. I want to uh, take this moment to again remind everybody we met Coach Harson yeah. uh, right before the Birmingham Bowl uh, in, a, in an event, and which, I couldn't have been which, more impressed. Um, Truett Insurance and Bonding sponsored. That's how we actually yeah. did that, and we're going to sponsor the Birmingham Bowl again. I'm proud of that one, yeah. and uh, I think the new stadium and all that's is a great. It's got a great future now that you got that that yep. uh, place. But I just want to. I just want to hold up Coach Harson. He, 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 I couldn't have been more impressed with him. I'm and, with you, and, and I think that uh, what occurred is is tragic and what occurred shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm really excited for what he's going to be uh, doing. And, and from what I understand, it really bonded the team. That kind of came out uh, at media days. Uh, speaking of a team that needs to bond a little bit, it look, turns out there might be trouble at McDonald's. There's a whole bunch of uh, franchisees at McDonald's who are abandoning the ship, but but you know it turns out like 400 franchisees. I was going to say, there's a, there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. A lot of franchisees. Yeah. But the... But the uh, Anyway, I, I didn't realize this. It made me wonder how many stores are there for McDonald's. Do you know how many McDonald's stores there are in the in the globe? How many? Forty thousand and thirty one yeah. as of this year. That's it's astounding. A lot. It is a lot. Yeah. Man, the music's going. Yeah, I hear it. For heaven's sakes, I hear it. I'm Brock G. Murphy with Brock G. Murphy Law Firm LLC. Would love to help you with any kind of small business or construction matters. Yeah, and uh, Tony Truitt, Truitt Insurance and Bonding. Uh, anything we can help you, uh, business. Home and auto, surety, life, any of that, probate bonds, all the licensed bonds, bring them to us. Did you know? Did you know? Man, it's time for Did You Know? Did you know there are 118 ridges on the side of a dime? I didn't know that. Did you know the first open heart surgery in the Western Hemisphere occurred in Montgomery in 1902? Is that right? Yeah, on a uh, little child. Did you know the dot on a lowercase i or j is known as a tittle? I did not know that, but now I know what jot and tittle means. Yes. Uh, did you know that Alabama became the first state to recognize Christmas as an official holiday? That was in 1836. That's amazing. Uh, how about this? Did you know that sea otters have the thickest fur of any mammal at one million hairs per square inch? Good heavens. I thought some of the people in Gulf Shores that I saw <laughs> could have given these sea otters a run for that. <laughs> I'm sure they could. Did you know that Alabama translates to, quote, tribal town in the Creek Indian language? By the way, we lived off Creek Drive in Montgomery.
I lived on Old Creek Trail, so you there see you what's go. going on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about this? Did you know uh, it takes 570 gallons of paint to cover the exterior of the White House? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Did you know that Alabama's highest point above sea level is Mount Cheehaw? It's 2,405 feet tall. I have been trying to get my family to go over to Mount Cheehaw forever with me, and they won't go. I want to go. they got a restaurant at the top, and if they're not going to go, Brock, I'm taking you yeah, one day, we'll and go we're there. going to eat the up The highest spot. We'll see you everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, we're glad you could join us. Birmingham. Yeah. We'll see. Ya. It's going to be a great weekend. Going to be a little bit hot, but get out there and enjoy it. And uh, listen in to Jim Butter's show next. He's coming up. And uh, what else do I got to say here? I think that's about it. So everybody have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next week on Truett News Radio. Yeah, do it with Truett. Hey, 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 BA fam. It's Tiffany and Mandy from the Brown and Bish Podcast. And we have some exciting news for you. For the first time ever, we are going live on YouTube. When? Head to www.youtube.com slash Cumulus Podcast at noon Eastern on July 28th to join us, Brown Ambition, live. If you haven't heard, July 28th is when we get our first clues as to whether or not we are really in a recession. And who better to break it all down than your personal financial sisters? If you have a question about the recession, we got your back. The Brown Ambition Live Recession Reaction Show Thursday, July 28th, noon Eastern on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts after that.